we have to remind ourselves that there's some really big hard things happening. And because of that, um, we might we, we might not be our 100% best. And it's also not expected. Um, and if there are people expecting you to be your 100% best, maybe they're not the best in terms of being in your, in your inner circle or providing that support. And so it is just so important to go easy on yourself and be kind to yourself because we we learn better, we grow better when we are being nurtured and we, we are um, being kind and feeling warmth. Um, and that's what we need right now. We need to learn how to navigate this situation because it, it might not change very, very soon. We need to grow in this particular time right now, but we need to be nurtured and cared for and kind. And it, it really does start with us and ourselves, how we treat ourselves. Hi, I'm Bridget Garsh, co-founder of Neighbor Schools and your host for Work Like a Mother, a podcast dedicated to real conversations with incredible women juggling work, life, and motherhood. Today, I'm excited to sit down with Dr. Amber Thornton, clinical psychologist, wellness expert, and founder and creator of Balanced Working Mama. Boundaries have always been something I have struggled with. If someone asks me for help or needs something from me, it pains me to say no. To put it into perspective, when Hudson's Preschool hosted a winter blanket drive, my immediate thought was, Ooh, maybe Hudson and I could make a handmade blanket to contribute. But this pandemic has pushed me to the brink. I'm working on internalizing that in order to be in a headspace to help anyone else, I need to set some boundaries and take care of myself first. I keep reminding myself over and over that self-care is not selfish. By now, that sounds cliche, which is why I'm so happy that I met Dr. Thornton and could hear her advice for protecting our time, our sanity, and ourselves so we can care for those around us. Dr. Thornton wasn't sure that she wanted to become a mom because she was fearful that she would have to give up her career, her identity, and her drive. Instead, Dr. Thornton sets really clear boundaries that empower her to pursue her career, prioritize her family, and also center her own wellness. Dr. Thornton shares a lot of practical tips to help moms unapologetically take care of ourselves so that we can take care of others. Well, welcome to Work Like a Mother. I know that you will have many wonderful pieces of advice for, for not only me, but also everyone that's listening. So I'm really excited to be here with you um, today and, and learning from you. Same. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm honored to be here. So thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I wanted to start with your personal journey to motherhood. What did that look like for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, whenever I, I tell the story or talk about it, it's actually interesting because I, I actually was not sure if I wanted to become a mom. Um, and I think it's just that over the years with me growing up and just kind of seeing what motherhood looked like, I was just so convinced that um, becoming a mom meant that I would not be able to take care of myself or I wouldn't be able to have time for myself. And, um, you know, at the time I was really 
very career driven and ambitious. I was really into building my career and, you know, growing as a psychologist. I'm also one that's really into health and fitness. And so I was just really afraid that becoming a mom meant that I would not be able to do these things anymore. I thought I would just be like, you know, the auntie that would just come and visit and bring all the gifts and, you know, have all the fun and then go back to my own home. (laughs) Um, Luckily, it didn't happen that way. I actually did change my mind and I have two children now. And I'm I'm two years into motherhood and so far so good. You know, I think I've had a really good experience coming in, but one that has really challenged and pushed me to be very creative about um, being a mom, but then also keeping and doing and honoring all the things that are really important to me. Where do you think this idea of, because I totally agree with you of this, this, in society, right? We see, and where we, we see so much of motherhood as like the, I'm going to sacrifice absolutely everything for, you know, the health and uh, well-being of my own children. But where do you think that comes from? Definitely. I, I absolutely think it's very much embedded into our society, into our cultures. You know, this idea that motherhood should be associated with self-sacrifice. Um, sometimes people might say martyrdom mm-hmm. or just, you know, um, always neglecting your own needs or desires because there's something else that's always more important. I think that's always this running feeling or this thought that we as moms have is that, oh, well, this other thing is way more important than this need that I have right now. Or my children are way more important than my needs. Um, But when we really sit and think about it and and actually kind of dig into what well-being for moms looks like, we actually are starting to see that us taking care of ourselves first is, is far more more important um, in terms of the quality of our well-being, but also for our families. And so I do think that it, it has a lot to do with patriarchy. I think it has a lot to do with capitalism. Um, I actually, I was just on Instagram this morning. I'm on Instagram all the time and saw something about how dependent we are on the free labor of women, <laughs> um, you know, really with just like us doing so much of the household work, us providing free childcare, you know, us doing so many things. Um, We as a society become so dependent on that. And so I think that's a lot of that is all tangled up into, well, this is what it means to be a mom. It means I have to do all these things. And then ourselves, you know, our well-being, our desires get pushed further, further, further into the background. Um, So I think we have to be really careful because I know for me growing up, I I just assumed that it was just my family. I learned it from my family but my family learned it from somewhere too. And so I do think it's it's embedded into our societies and our cultures of what we think motherhood should look like. It's like that, those, the, the sort of decades, not even decades, uh, centuries long traditions of undervaluing women's work, undervaluing all that women do that is now manifesting itself in this way that makes us think that, oh, well, that's what you have to do if you are a quote unquote good mother. Absolutely. I love, love, love the tagline on your website, uh, redefining motherhood one boundary at a time. Can you share what you mean by this? Yeah, definitely. Oh my gosh. So 
I think for me, so going back to the question of how did I enter motherhood, for me, it really had to be um, redefining it for myself, Um, you know, taking what I saw as motherhood and what I I thought had to be motherhood and um, kind of turning it on his head a little bit and redefining it for me. And so while there are still some things that I do that, you know, maybe my mom did or or my grandmother did, there's a whole bunch of things that I do that they didn't do. Or, you know, there are a lot of things that they did that I, I don't do. And so I really had to redefine it and figure out, okay, well, what what version of motherhood works for me? Um, what, what version of motherhood works for my family? But also a big part of that is implementing really strong, bold boundaries around myself, my identity, my health, my well-being, um, things that are important to me um, so that I can always make sure that I'm connected to this other thing that's going to ground me, which should essentially be, you know, myself, my wellness, my well-being, the quality of my life so that I can be strong for my children and my family. Um, So, you know, here at, well, within Balance Working Mama and, you know, the work that I do with moms, we are super heavy focused on boundaries. The boundaries need to be everywhere, anything, around anything that's important to you, anything that you want to protect, we have to put those boundaries there. Can you share a little bit more about, like, I'm so interested now. What's an example of something that you have like brought from your upbringing and maintained? What's something that you left behind? And then I think you also said, what's something like new that maybe your family thought, wow, this is so different from the way that we did things? Yes, definitely. Um, So I think the thing that I have brought with me from the version of motherhood that I've seen is definitely the the focus on family time being so important. You know, I think my mom did such a great job of making sure that she always was very engaged with us. Um, We always were doing some sort of activity in or outside of the home, even if it was just simply running errands. Like it sounds so mundane and so simple, but like just a simple trip to the store you know, could be an event. And Mm -hmm. so I I find myself doing that too. I'm like, oh, we're going to go to the grocery store. Like, ha, 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 family time. Um, And it's important to me. It's really important to be able to be with my children and be present with them and making sure that they're happy and healthy and, um, you know, having activities, you know, with us as a family. I think, (laughs) so when I think about the things that maybe I do that my family looks at me now and thinks that I've grown a third head, (laughs) and it is funny, um, and I know I'm not the only one, but, but things like outsourcing. You know, I think that that is something that for many reasons, my mom and my grandmothers, my aunts did not do. Um, Some of them had to do with like fiscally or or financially. They just were not able to do those things. But then also, I think um, for them, their their priorities and what was important when it came to motherhood um, definitely had a lot to do with them doing these tasks in the home. Um, But for me and you know, what I'm noticing in the generation that I'm in, I'm a millennial. Um, we really value our time and, and getting our time back. That's something that I, I really value in my version of motherhood. And so for me, if I'm able to outsource something, I'm very quick to do it <laughs> so that I can win the time back to um, put somewhere else. You know, for instance, like I just said, spending time with my my children is so important to me. So if I can have someone come and clean my home so that I can spend some time with my kids, oh my gosh, yes. Or if I, I can have someone, a meal service, I, you know, I, I, I use some meal services um, 
bring a meal to my home so that I can just quickly pop it in the microwave or in the oven so that I don't have to spend the time cooking? Absolutely. Um, Laundry is one that I love to outsource. Um, Doing those things so that I can take that time back in and spend it with my families, being present with them or working on other things that bring me joy. Um, So those are just kind of some examples of like, you know, there are things that I'm bringing that are reminiscent of what motherhood was like for me growing up. But then also there's some new things too that um, I think, you know, my mom and my family members are, are trying to get used to, too. Okay. So I have to know how you have outsourced laundry because it is the bane of my existence. And I, the other night, just because the kids have been home and we had some health issues with my littlest one, he's fine now, but it was a, a hectic time with him. Like our laundry pile covered mm-hmm our entire bed. And it was so daunting. And I just thought, I don't know how I'm even going to tackle this. So I, I have to hear how you've outsourced this. Let's please talk about laundry. Oh my gosh. Um, laundry was a struggle for me when it was just me. (laughs) And so, you know, now that there are four of us, um, I just, I just, I just knew it would be a battle that I did not want to fight. And so it's funny, um, my husband, I think for my birthday a year or so ago, um, actually looked into a laundry subscription service and he said, Hey, I know that you've talked about this. Let's just do it. Because one thing about me, you know, I'm, I often talk about things, but it's sometimes I need a nudge to actually try something new. And he's the nudger. He's like, look, you've talked about this. You don't want to do the laundry. You're pregnant. I was pregnant at the time. He was like, let's just try it. And so from there I was hooked. And so the service I use is called Sudshare. And I think they're in most um, major cities and areas. And it's essentially um, you get on the app, you say that you want to do have your laundry be done. You say how many bags of laundry it is. You sit your bags of laundry out on the front porch or out your front door and they come pick it up. You get it back within 24 to 48 hours, cleaned and folded. <laughs> um, and it's $1 per pound. For me and in the way that my life has run, um, laundry is is truly the last thing that I I want to do and the last Mm -hmm. thing I feel like I want to devote my time to. And so really getting over that hurdle of, oh, I should figure out how to do this on my own or even the hurdle of like, well, can we afford this? You know, my husband and I, we that was a concern for me. And we sat down, we looked at our budget and we said, hey, this is what we need to do to carve out this amount of money per month to get laundry done. Can we do it? And the answer was yes. And so once we did that, it was a no-brainer. Absolutely. Laundry out. I love the the language that you just used. You had to get over this idea that you had to figure it out yourself. I think that's just so pervasive in how we often think as mothers. I mean, I find myself trying to convince myself that like, okay, I'm going to wait until like, the kids are in bed and then I'm going to put on a show. And I'm like, this is like my me time, you know, folding the laundry. And like, I have jumped through these 17 hoops to make it seem somehow. Yeah. Appealing. And it's a lie. It's not true. Oh my gosh. No, that's not me time. You know, it's that's, time that you're you're doing things for other people and so that's not me time even if you put on a Netflix show with it it, it's not you time um but I agree with you I think it's because we're ashamed to admit that we are dropping a ball um when really the reality is 
laundry for four to five people is a lot for one person to do. And yet, you know, society and ourselves, we've tried to convince ourselves that we should be able to do this. Women, especially, we are very quick to uh, feel judged because we are judged. Um, we're, we, we feel ashamed to admit that, hey, I'm behind on the laundry all the time. And it's not our fault. It's because the demands are so high and it's unfair. I noticed just, just in our brief interactions with one another, um, another boundary that you've set is around email. Um, and I got your auto reply that said how you check emails. I think it was two days a week. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it was so refreshing. So can you share a, a little bit about that too? Oh my gosh, thank you for reminding me because I forget that I had that thing on, but I, it's something that I um, implemented for myself because I noticed that I'm I'm just kind of like um, a compulsive email checker, especially when it's on my home screen. I'm the person that if there's any alert on my screen, it has to be checked right now. Like I want I want zero. I want everything to be at zero. And clearly that's unsustainable. And so when I realized I was like compulsively checking my email all the time to try to get it down to zero and it was taking so much of my time, I did this thing where I took off the icon off of my home screen. So I put it somewhere else so that it's not so visible. And then I told myself, these emails don't even have to be checked every day. And so I I said, okay, I'm going to check emails on Mondays and Thursdays. And so I, I have a reminder in my phone every Monday. It's like, check your email every Thursday, check your email. And then I also put an away message on my email to say, Hey, um, I've got your message, but I am only checking my email twice a week. This is my boundary I'm putting into place. If you need something else, uh, I forget what he, I forget what I said. Um, but that has helped me so much. Um, but I, I think maybe something I haven't realized is, is helping other people to see, Hey, it's okay to not, um, have constant access to other people because that also is unsustainable. So it's, it's helped me a ton, a ton, just to have some mental space to be able to focus on other things. I feel like the, the counter argument that somebody might bring to that is like, does it take you on those two days, you know, basically like seven hours to get through all of the emails or like how, when you made the shift, I, it sounds like you've been doing it for so long now, but like, how does it actually, you know, operationally work? Yeah. So I will be honest, it, it doesn't take me seven hours. Um, so I'm also very, I'm one that's like, if I'm getting an email in my email box that I don't need, especially if it's like those newsletters or those promotional things, I unsubscribe to everything. So when I first started doing this, I went on this huge unsubscribe spree. Um, and just, just, it was like, stop sending me emails. <laughs> so I unsubscribed from a bunch of things. Um, and that helped a lot. And so now the emails that I get are things that I want to receive or, you know, here and there are things that are not important, but I, I've learned to do a very quick scan of what's important, what is not. And so usually when I open my email box, for instance, in a week's time, there might be, I don't know, I, I don't want to say a number because everybody's number is so different. But for me, there might be about a hundred emails in there when I'm checking on like a Monday or a Tuesday or a Thursday. So I quickly scan what's important, what's not, delete all the things that are not important, and then come back to the things that are, and then 
figure out a plan for when I'm going to address them. Some of them right there, I will respond to. Some of them I'll put on my <laughs> to-do list to get to later. Um, so I've kind of just developed the system over time for how to do it. But I do understand that word. Sometimes people are like, well, if I stop, then I'm going to come back to this huge mountain. And, mm-hmm. and I would just recommend um, really creating a system for yourself for how you're going to tackle them. But also like clear that thing out, get rid of those emails that are just repetitively being sent to you, unsubscribe to some things, um, put those things on your do not email list, and that'll help a lot too. So you've already shared so many tips um, on things that we can be doing to, you know, prioritize our time and, and really be mindful of how we're spending our time. Can you, do you have any others that you think are really important to share? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I know that for me, boundaries are huge. And like you said, prioritizing time is also really, really huge. Um, but there are also some other things that I do just to make sure that I'm implementing or um, staying balanced. So for instance, I'm always thinking about, you know, how can I make sure that I'm getting out of this habit of doing everything on my own? Right. And I think that's a a bad habit that moms and women's fall into of um, feeling like they have to be the ones to do the thing Mm. or all of the things. And so I'm constantly asking myself, okay, well, who else can do this? And so I I guess it goes back to that outsourcing. Um, But in my head, I'm thinking about it it as delegating. And so I'm thinking like, okay, do I need to be doing this or can my husband do it too? Or can, do I really need to be doing this? Or can my two-year-old, can I teach him how to help with this? Or is this something that he can just do on his own? I'm always thinking about that because I, I, I don't need to be the default for everyone in my home. Um, and so thinking of, okay, well, how can other people be doing some of these things for our family and for themselves? Um, I think another thing is kind of like a mantra for me. I'm always saying to myself is always prioritize wellness or always pick wellness. And so... I know that that is kind of abstract and hard to think about, but maybe let's say if you're in a situation where you're having to choose between doing something versus not doing it or not doing something versus doing it, I don't know. Um, you know, what is the which decision is going to help you stay in line with what's truly well-being and wellness for you? You know, because for instance, if there's a party and you just absolutely don't want to go, but you feel like you should. Mm-hmm. that should is probably not in line with your wellness. And so it might be better for you to say, Hey, I'm going to sit this out because it, it's not, it's not okay for me, you know, or it, it could be anything, but really thinking about how can I always prioritize my wellness among all these other things that I'm trying to prioritize. Well, and you, you spoke a little while ago about, you know, making like adventures sort of out of these household chores. And now you're, you're talking about, you know, what can your two-year-old do to, to help? And it's such an, it's like an overlooked idea in many ways, because it's teaching your kids then that they are part of this family. They are responsible for, the grocery shopping and the putting dishes away or the, you know, even I I was just doing with my four-year-old, not my, not my 20 month old. Um, So I'm curious to hear about the two-year-old and what the two-year-old is doing. But my four-year-old the other night, he loved actually sorting the laundry. He loved saying, Oh, this is my pile and putting all of his, this is Brooksy's pile and like putting everybody's clothes in the piles. And I was like, Oh, I never would have thought of that. And here he thinks this is like a game I've created just for him. 
That is so cute. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, again, it gets us out of the habit of feeling like we have to do these things by ourselves. Um, we, we forget that our children can absolutely help. And honestly, I probably have created a monster. Now my son wants to help with everything. Mm-hmm. Even the things I don't want him to I don't want him to help. <laughs> He's like, oh, mommy, I can help you. And I'm like, oh, I don't need the help right now. Yeah. But, you know, like any little thing. And so, of course, at two years old, um, he he's only helping so much. Right. But like you said, the, the, the more important point is that we want to raise um, humans that realize that they do have a role to play in our, our, our the quality of our home and the well-being of our family. Um, they have something to contribute. They live here too. And so, for instance, um, my son used to actually really enjoy unloading the dishwasher with me. And so he would pick out something and then give it to me so I could put it up or the things that were low on his level, he could just put it away himself because he eventually learned where everything went, which was fascinating to me. Um, what else does he like to help with? He likes to pick things up <laughs> off of the floor, put them where they go. He's got that for me. Um, he also, like any little thing that needs to be thrown in the trash, I'm like, oh, here, Cedric, he put this in the trash and he'll, he'll do it. So little things like that, things that are age appropriate absolutely are good for our kids um, because again, it, it teaches them that they have value in our home, but that also mommy is not going to be the one to always do it. Yes. Wow. Um, and so you, so I know you have a two-year-old Cedric is the two-year-old. How old is your youngest? My youngest is Eden and she is eight months. So she's not helping yet, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, she, she is eight months. And so we are so happy to have completed our family. (laughs) And, um, yeah, like they're so, they're so precious and so special. How was your birth experience in a pandemic? What was that like? Oh my gosh. Oh, I have completely placed that out of my brain. <laughs> I have completely forgot that I did all of that. And I feel like that's probably really um, familiar for a lot of the other people listening to maybe just kind of mm-hmm. like, sometimes I have to sit and really reflect, oh my gosh, I had two babies, um, one of which was during a pandemic. My two-year-old, most of his life has been in this pandemic. And so it just feels almost normal, but it's not, Um, you know, but I I think with having Eden during the pandemic, um, things were just different in that I had to be very conscious about things like who would be in the room. Mm -hmm. Um, At one point, we thought we had to choose between my doula and my husband, which scared me because absolutely, for me, my choice was going to be definitely my husband, but I knew I needed the doula. And so that was really stressful. Um, You know, I think during the time when I was pregnant with Eden, the vaccine was not yet as popular. And so all of that pregnancy, I was unvaccinated, which I think that was a huge worry for me. I was so afraid to get COVID because I just did not want to be sick with COVID and pregnant. I was just so, so worried about that. And I finally did get the vaccine at 38 weeks (laughs) um, was when I got the first one. So I was very pregnant when I did. And so a lot of that pregnancy is very much wrapped up in a lot of fear around health. But then also, I guess you would say isolation. I spent a lot of time at home because we, we just couldn't be out and about with people. Um, we spent as much time outside as, as we could. You know, we went to parks often. We went to outdoor events. Um, but as far as being close indoors with people, we really did not do a lot of that. 
it's amazing how much we can forget. I was just saying the other day how I can't believe that the playgrounds were closed during part of the pandemic. And I think like, what did we do with my older son? Like, I'm like, how did, how did we survive that? Because it was, and and you just don't, you, you, you just do. And then you somehow you, you forget about it um, as time goes on. You just do. And I think that's just so common for mothers is, you know, we just rise to the occasion when crisis comes. Um, But then we have our moments where we really struggle. We really need help. But I I think we're so used to just like, oh, well, we'll just handle it. Um, We don't stop to think about, well, wow, that was really hard you know, or, or wow, I'm really struggling right now, or wow, I really need this. And so that's why I'm always so focused and very passionate about um, how can we disrupt that a little bit and really always be thinking about our well-being and our, our wellness, because it's really hard to think about that in these moments where, you know, there's so many other really big things happening, you know, to your point. Yeah, I forgot those playgrounds were closed. We, I, I remember just to get out of the house, we would just walk around the block <laughs> all the time, yes. every day. We would we would sit up a blanket out in the front lawn and just, just bring the blocks outside and just sit <laughs> out on the front because we just could not be in the house anymore. Um, so things like that, we just did it and all the while not realizing like, oh my gosh, this is, this is, this is a lot, you know, this is hard. So, you know, moms, we need so much. We, we really do. And I don't think we, we get nearly as much support and care that we deserve. Well, the first time I actually heard you speak was on the double shift on their episode of the moms are not okay. Um, obviously you know, what we're talking about right now is just how hard the last, I don't even know how many months it's been, um, have been incredibly challenging, especially for moms, how can we as individuals sort of tell the difference between whether our reactions and our ability to cope are like, okay, or whether we should be looking for more help and, and, you know, looking for external help? Mm, that is a really, really, really quick, great, great question. Um, so bear with me because there's a lot of nuance with this. And so I think there's a lot of things that we have to keep into context, right? So when we are in crisis, so for instance, like a pandemic, like it it truly can feel like crisis mode. Um, When we are in crisis, anything can go in terms of our reactions. And so, you know, when we are responding to something that's really big or really scary, really frightening, we can have a big range of emotions. And so it's hard to know if that's an okay response because it's we're responding to a crisis, if that makes sense. And so I would say we first have to think about, okay, well, what is the context of the situation? You know, what am I responding to? What am I reacting to? What is happening around me? Um, to really get a feel for, okay, well, where am I? And essentially, like, where am I? What's, what's the context of this situation? Outside of that, if you notice that your reactions or your responses to the the current circumstances, the situations are interfering with your ability to 
do the things to get you through day by day, right? Mm-hmm. So if they're interfering with your ability to take care of your children, if they're interfering with your ability to take care of, your, of yourself, if you are having a hard time focusing and going to work because of the things you're responding to or reacting to, that absolutely um, is indicative of you maybe needing some more help or needing some support. And that is okay. You know, because we all are still in a, a crisis. And so if you notice that you need some help, yep, you probably do. And that is okay. And it, and we really do need to move forward in getting the help that you need. Well, and I, in, in that same episode, you also talk about the importance of giving ourselves grace. Yes, absolutely. Can you share a little bit more about why that's so important, especially now? Especially now, because we are living in a a moment that uh, many of us have never seen before. Um, It's, I don't know anyone else who's lived in a pandemic other than us, (laughs) you know, in terms of, you know, our generations and our, our parents' generations or, you know, this is, this is huge. And so, we have to remind ourselves that there's some really big, hard things happening. And because of that, um, we might might not be our 100% best. And it's also not expected. Um, And if there are people expecting you to be your 100% best, maybe they're not the best in terms of being in your your inner circle or providing that support. And so it is just so important to go easy on yourself and be kind to yourself because we we learn better, we grow better when we are being nurtured and when we are um, being kind and feeling warmth. Um, and that's what we need right now. We need to learn how to navigate this situation because it, it might not change very, very soon. We need to grow in this particular time right now, but we need to be nurtured and cared for and kind. And it, it really does start with us and ourselves, how we treat ourselves. I'm going to re-listen to everything that you shared and just repeat it as a mantra and, and really take, take it with me day by day. Thank you so, so much for, for sharing your, your time and your wisdom with us. I have some rapid fire questions for you before um, we say goodbye. What's one piece of mom gear you can't live without? Ooh, Mm, one piece of mom gear. Oh, okay. I have this fanny pack (laughs) that I love. I love it. Oh my gosh. And my husband always judges me for it. He's like, oh, that fanny pack, but it is amazing. And I, I feel like it's great for moms because when we are out with our kids, there's already so many things that we have to bring. And so I don't also want to be worried about like my purse or a bag for myself. Like I just put my fanny pack on. It's got my wallet. It's got my phone. It's got my keys. That's all I need. And so that thing is like my go-to, like it's, I've worn it for like two years, all, all of my motherhood journey so far. <laughs> I love it. All right. Who do you love to follow on Instagram? Oh my gosh. So many people. There is this woman. Her name is my leak. You may have heard of her. She is the founder of Curlbox. Um, million dollar company that she built from the ground up. She started with $5,000 and she now is a multi-million dollar company. Um, And she is a new mom as well. And so I've just really loved following her experience in terms of um, being an entrepreneur, a business owner, and now coming into motherhood and how that has changed her, what it has helped her learn. Um, She's amazing. Well, um, what's one mom hack that makes your life easier? Ooh, 
Okay, this is this is kind of like a mom and a wife hack. I don't know if that's okay. Of course. My husband is the one that will um, take something out and just never put it away. And so I'm constantly like following behind him and putting away all the things that he has not put away for himself. And so that has drove me crazy all of our marriage. And so recently I learned that if I just find a basket for him, put it in a corner, and then if he leaves something out, I'm just going to go put it in his basket. And so it doesn't drive me as crazy as it did because I'm not having to clean up after him. I'm just putting it in his basket and he can deal with it himself. And that has taken so much off of me <laughs> in terms of like mentally feel like I'm having to clean up after him. I just throw it in his basket and he can deal with it. So that is a hack if you have someone in your life, preferably an adult who just will not put these things away. I love that idea. Yep. All right. What's on your nightstand right now? Oh, my nightstand has like a few books. There's one book I'm reading about sugar, actually, because I'm thinking about my health and, and wanting to decrease the amount of sugar I eat. Um, so a book about that. There's also a book about um, like content, you know, just with me and, and marketing and helping with my business. I also have some body butter on there. And then, of course, my charging station that holds my Apple Watch and my iPhone. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. I hope you have a great afternoon. It's been wonderful chatting with you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Work Like a Mother is produced by Neighbor Schools. Neighbor Schools is a startup in Boston that I co-founded in 2018 to help parents find daycare. As a first-time parent, finding childcare can feel scary and intimidating. At Neighbor Schools, we help you find daycare you'll feel really good about so you can go back to work with the peace of mind that your little one is getting the socialization, support, and stimulation they need to learn and grow. We've helped thousands of moms and dads figure out the daycare search. Check us out at neighborschools.com. And when you get in touch, mention that you discovered us on the podcast. Thanks for joining me today. We'll see you next time.